Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we kick off our summer sermon series, Soulful Songs of Summer. Pastor Bob's not here, but I will keep the alliteration going. We've got hymns and songs that are full of images and metaphors that inspire hope, melodies and beats that stay with us long after church is out, and lyrics and words that stir in us courage and an unstoppable need to sing praises to our Lord regardless of how off-key we might be. We're gonna sing. Because there's something special about music combined with God's Word. And I thought about that, about how the, the role that these songs, this music combined with God's Word takes in our lives. What role should they take? Because we live in a time where it seems that words are just up for grabs. Anybody can say or post anything and everything. And when everyone is saying something different, how do you know, especially when everyone's got an expert to defend their point? The power of words becomes less and less. Contracts can be rewritten or broken. And it seems now that words really only matter when they can be held against you. And then we just say, well, they were just words, just words. Voiceless technology dominates our culture. Words are given a back seat as words become simply instruction or information. And we're left wondering, do words, regardless of whether or not we combine them with music, matter? Because the saying is just do it, not just say it but it's just do it. If we want something to get done, we think of machines, we think of horsepower, we think of size, we think of money, not words. You don't really need words or songs if you've got guns and bombs. You don't need metaphors or word images when you've got skyscrapers and high-rises, when you've got computers that can fit into your pocket or even onto your wrist. Words of song, eh. What can they really do? What possible difference can they make? And our words today, our text today, comes from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, who spoke these words to a people who were exiled when there had been consigned to destruction as the Babylonians were coming in to conquer Jerusalem. And they were conquered not by words, but by force, by ships and chariots, swords and spears, all because of Israel's idolatry. And in the midst of this destruction, of this uprooting we have the prophet Isaiah speaking words. Not much is really known about the prophet Isaiah. We get the name of his father. We get that he's got a couple of sons. He does have that one really cool story where the coal touches his lips and then he gets the power to speak and he says, here I am, here I am. But other than that, who is he to speak? I think that's the key point, because Isaiah doesn't spend too much time talking about himself. We don't really get the hero origin backstory of Isaiah. Rather, Isaiah has one role, and that is to give voice to God, to speak God's words. And that's the key point when it comes to words. Who do the words come from? For in God's words, we are not given just words. We are given words plus. 
Words that bring into being what they say. Not information, though you can open the Bible and you can learn. Not instructions, though when you open the Bible you will find implications for how you are to live. But words plus, words that are more. Words that are not empty, that are not here today and gone tomorrow. Words that are not misleading or simply words that we want to hear. They are more. Which is why I'm always so surprised whenever I read that encounter of Moses in the burning bush and he asks God, what's your name? And what does he respond with? I am who I am. Three words, three little letters, I am who I am. Come on now. You're the God who, who created language. You're the one who gave the ability to write and to speak. And we've got these great authors and all that stuff in there. I mean, the Bible is inspired by God. Your name is simply I am. I kind of feel like he's phoning it in there. And I'm wondering, what is Moses doing here? This is the time to, to step up and say, I'm going to need a little bit more from him than just I am who I am. But Moses and Pharaoh and all of Egypt and the Israelites themselves are very soon going to know just exactly what God means when he says, I am who I am. You see, who God is and what God says and what God does are not different. Who God is, what God says, and what God does are not different at all. And this is profound when we think about it. This is a, it's a scary thing, but it's an awesome thing because who else can do that? Who else can speak and do and be all in one? And the, the power of the book of Isaiah is captured in this three little triangle piece of profoundness that mixes and mingles throughout as Isaiah takes us from Genesis all the way and points to Revelation where we have God speaking, God creating, and God redeeming. And what Isaiah does best is not his arguing for the reality of God, though you should see what he says about idols and how he takes them to the woodshed. It's not Isaiah's warnings of the consequences of a life not following God, though we need to hear those instructions. But it is the way that Isaiah conveys the active and living hearness of God. And the being, speaking, doing power of a God that is with slash for us-ness. Words of God who he is. And when we see this, we notice that it is something different. Because Isaiah presents God's words in a lavish and skillful use of metaphors and images so that we could know in our heads and in our hearts and in our souls that God is our God. Google the very best verses of Isaiah and you'll be scrolling all day long as you find metaphor and image one after another of trees and dry grounds, the potter and clay, vineyards soaring on eagles' wings, the wolf and the lamb, the lion and the goat, the shoot coming out of a stump, light and darkness, grass and flowers, servant and king, and the list goes on and on in an unprecedented and unsurpassed proclamation of 66 chapters. Isaiah provides images of God, images that are personal, relational, and intend our salvation. Isaiah captures the God-speaking, God-creating, God-creating, God redeeming words. 
And the two most frequent themes and the root of those images that we find is God as creator and God as redeemer. We see God as creator even in Genesis when the world was without form or void. God is there speaking words of let there be. In the time of exile, which is a time in darkness, which is a time without form or void, if you're going through those times of uncertainty, we see God there speaking words of creation in I will. And even here in our congregation today, in our lives, in the things that we face, we see God here speaking words to us, His words that give life. Everywhere we look, We see evidence of this creation of God, this goodness of God. And this is exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said, my father is constantly working because God is constantly creating and in Christ Jesus, constantly redeeming. For God is redeeming. The promise to Adam and Eve in the beginning who had just brought sin and death into the world, there is the promise of redemption. To the exiles who are being uprooted and destroyed, there is the promise of deliverance. To disciples who are abandoning God and denying Him, even to us who live in a time of terrorist attacks and the threat of war and fear saturates every news story, article, or post that we can find, our God speaks words not of fear to us, not of it's over, but words of courage. Words that sound like this. But now, listen, my servant, whom I have chosen. This is what I, the Lord, say, I who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid, my servant, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water out on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offering and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. God is who God is. God is what God says. God is who God, what God does. And the good news is that in Christ Jesus, we're being drawn into participation in this created, redeemed life into the power of being, saying, and doing. Because God has the ability to speak and to make it so. And we notice in the book of Isaiah that he doesn't just give us metaphors and images of God, but he gives us metaphors and images of ourselves as well. And if I had to summarize probably the top three, the first one would probably be lost. We are lost, helpless and weak, people of unclean lips, No hope, and as Romans 7 would say, the things that we say, we don't do. The second one would be sin. We're described as slaves who have given ourselves to anything and everything except God. Unable to buy ourselves out of the trouble we find ourselves in, the very things we want to do, we are not capable of doing. Lost sinner, but the third one that permeates throughout his child. Emphasis on the his. We are his 
and His alone. As they cry out, I belong to the Lord, given the name Jacob, writing on our hand the Lord's and take the name of Israel. For God said it in Christ Jesus. He did it. And now we are who we are. And those aren't just words that we read and think, that's kind of nice. That becomes the very foundation and form and shape of us. Those words are everything. And today is Father's Day. And fathers, your words and your actions form your children. And you don't need to be afraid for the Spirit of the living God lives in you to give you courage and to give you the ability to speak the words of your Heavenly Father to your children and to love them as your Heavenly Father has loved you. For you are His. And your children are His and yours. So speak and love them. And I love our song today. Our song today that we sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear but a child of God, plays a very huge role in our life. And so we sing those words over and over again. For Christ Jesus has broken the shackles that enslave us, that we are no longer slaves, but you are a child of God. Chosen and formed, streams of living water flow in you, and the Spirit is given without limit, a spirit of courage. And God himself has promised to bless you and your descendants and your children's children, for you belong to God because he has marked you. Receive the sign of the cross both upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. The word made flesh died and rose for you so that you would know who you are, regardless of captivity, exile, addiction, sickness, or whatever you face, you would know that Jesus is active and present and creating and redeeming constantly and daily in you. God with us as we live and move and have our being, as we take the words of God and everything that comes with that faith and hope and love and we bring them out from our Bibles, from our sanctuary, from our very souls, to our children, to the streets, to our workplace, to the very ends of the earth. And we especially do it as we sing. As we, like Moses and Miriam and all the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, like David and the other psalmists, like Mary, and like the angels, we lift our voices and our songs till all of heaven and earth is a symphony of praise and a songs to our God, who reigns now and forever. Amen.